April 14, 1778, Tuesday. After delivering the laundry to headquarters, we took the long way home. As we came to Joseph Mann's cabin, we saw several horses out front and one of the generals pulling himself up into his saddle. He commands the troops from North Carolina and Georgia and is quartered here. He gave a friendly salute to Joseph, who was carrying firewood inside. Though Joseph is a freed Negro and a good, honest man, two of the officers spit at his feet before galloping away. I was so provoked I wanted to throw a stone at the men, but the wagon seat was too high off the ground to reach one. We crossed Valley Creek and soon came to Slab Tavern. Mrs. Washington had a note for us to give the innkeeper. The tavern was crowded, but we noticed Pierre. He was sitting at a large side table, and unlike the other men and officers with him, he smiled at us. Elizabeth and I curtsied. Pierre stood, then began making his way among the tables toward us. Dear ladies, he said, bowing slightly. He took Elizabeth's hand, kissed the ends of her fingers, then did the same with mine. We both were lost for words, but I knew from the color rising in Elizabeth's cheeks that she was well pleased with his manners. We were interrupted by the innkeeper, a gruff man, who took Mrs. Washington's note, broke the wax seal, read the message, then crumpled it in his large hand. Tell her highness that I have no plates to spare, nor cups, nor soap, nor whatever she might think of next. He pulled open the door and pointed us out. That's when we saw Baron von Steuben coming up the path with Azor. April 15, 1778, Wednesday. About yesterday. At first, Elizabeth did not realize Azor was wearing her blue coat because he now also had a red sash draped over his back like a little soldier. We walked quickly past, and not until we were in the wagon did she turn to study him. With her mouth open, she looked at me with astonishment, pointed to Azor, and said, Abby? That's all she said for the rest, for the rest of the day. Everyone is now in, is in bed now, except Mama is downstairs rocking Johnny. While we were fastening our nightcaps, Elizabeth stood with me at the window for a few minutes, looking out at the stars. Finally, she whispered, Please do not tell Mama who's wearing my coat. Dost thou promise, Abby? I promised. April 16th, 1778, Thursday. The wind continues. I woke in the night to the scratching of branches against the house. Sally woke up crying. She said she saw a man climb up the trellis by our window, and he was waving his arm back and forth. I looked out, then tucked her in again. It's just our big old apple tree, Sally. Go back to sleep. April 17th, 1778, Friday. Mrs. Hughes invited us for afternoon tea. The wind was rough, and as it was nearly an hour's walk, we dressed in wool, and Mama carried Johnny inside her cloak. Colonel DeWeese has a fine stone house with many chimneys. The basement has become quarters for the army baker, a German named Christopher Ludwig. He uses several ovens to turn out all the bread needed, about 60 loaves an hour. We sat in a parlor by a blazing hearth. The next room also had a fireplace and a broad plank floor where there was a, the sound of feet tapping. That's Mr. Trotter, she explained, practicing sugar. She cut off the end of the sugar cone and dropped it in Mama's cup, then one in mine, and all around, even Sally's. 
He has no students yet, she continued, but last Wednesday evening that room saw a splendid theatrical performance. Dost thou mean a play? I asked. Why, yes, dear. General Washington himself was in attendance, including several officers. There are plans for a production next month of the drama Cato. I hadn't realized how the general loves theater. He's quite a devotee. Our visit was shortened because Johnny began to fuss and would not quiet down. April 20th, 1778, Monday. It is nine o'clock at night with a furious wind blowing. It is most frightening to look outside because the sky is red from fires burning on Mount Joy. Papa says mayhaps a spark from someone's chimney was carried by the wind. It has been six hours and still we can see a glow from our window. I have just blown out my candle and my pen can see its way across the paper. April 21st, 1778, Tuesday. A messenger came this morning with a letter for me. I was alone in the house with Johnny because Papa had taken everyone in the wagon to look at Mount Joy. The letter was from Lucy telling me where she was. After reading it, I threw it into the fire. Tell not a soul were the words below her signature. And so I cannot even write about it. April 26, 1778, Sunday. We woke this morning to silence. The wind has stopped. It blew hard for 24 days straight, and we lost many branches in the orchards. The sun this morning feels warm like spring. We girls ran out to feel grass under our feet. The dogwoods are in bloom, such beauty. Their branches look like they're wearing thick cotton leggings. The fires on Mount Joy burned themselves out. Only steam rises from the hillsides. April 29th, 1778, Wednesday. Mama and I visited Mrs. Hughes to invite her to a wedding tomorrow. While water boiled for tea, she led us through the various public rooms, showing us paintings on the walls, lovely scenics and portraits. On entering the tap room, we heard loud voices arguing at a corner table. Wanting not to interrupt, we quickly went through another door to the library, but we did hear this much. Colonel DeWeese was complaining to three generals that soldiers had once again raided one of his buildings. Lumber and stones are missing, he thundered. How should I ever reconstruct the previous damage if the army keeps stealing from the very people it's supposed to protect? We returned to the main hearth and, over tea, wondered in whispers how much longer we must bear with these soldiers. Papa has stopped telling Mama how many tools and eggs have disappeared from our own barn. I'm thankful Brownie has not been stolen, else we shan't have butter or cream. April 30th, 1778, Thursday. The wedding was held in perfect sunshine on the wide lawn in front of headquarters. The bride is our friend, Anne Pritchard, from Chester County, and Papa has made her family shoes for 15 years. Her dress was white linen with lace along the sleeves and hem. There were many tears among the older women watching and some of the younger ones. Helen cried because the wedding reminded her she is a wife no more. But why Elizabeth wept, I know not. Mayhaps because her bounty coat is being worn by a dog. The groom we had not met before today. 
He is a cavalryman from Virginia. How handsome he looked in uniform. His tall riding boots were polished to match his scabbard. While the chaplain pronounced them man and wife, the groom threw his tricorn in the air and swept Anne into his arms. There were cheers and huzzas as he lifted her into a carriage. They are staying now at the potter's in the small upstairs room above the kitchen. After the wedding, Mrs. Smith came over to us. One glance at her sad eyes, and I had to look away. Oh, I wish to God Lucy had not begged me to keep silent. May 1st, 1778, Friday. We were awakened at dawn by drumming and fifes. It was a jaunty tune. We hurried out to see soldiers parading and singing at the tops of their voices. What is it, Papa? we asked. He laughed. Of course, how could I, couldst I forget? It's May Day. Such celebrations all day. The soldiers had put up maypoles last night in each brigade, with streamers hanging down. They marched and sang in formation, their tricorns adorned with white blossoms from the dogwoods. We watched from the hill while men played wickets and catch and long bullet. We could smell meat roasting from a huge pit barbecue by headquarters on the school kill's south bank. Papa took off his hat and waved it at the soldiers. By God, he said to us, it's about time those good men enjoy themselves.